Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kiri Kermode. On Saturday, I popped into a very busy home of rest for old horses to meet the new team. And I went along and spoke to the managing director of Manx BirdLife, Neil Morris, to find out what they can do to protect the birds at this cold time of year and also find out the latest information on the bird flu. But uh, first, it's getting near that time of year, Kiri, a little bit colder out, hasn't it? A bit crispy in the morning. It's got that Christmas sort of feel, but uh, at least the, the bogginess has dried up a little. It certainly has. It's very uh, very welcome, this dry spell. But like you say, it has got a lot colder. The weekend saw the first of that cold hit and uh, some of the colour has gone off the countryside. And I'm assuming a few more bales we put out for sheep and various bunches of cattle that are still outside now. Yeah, and, and that's a funny thing I, re- I remember from when we had cattle years ago when I was a young fella and cows at the farmyard and when I worked on the farms. Um, that cold time when the cattle are inside and you see the the steam coming off them, you know, in the lovely warm uh, sheds, isn't it? They generate the heat. They do indeed. And in those loose boxes, probably then more so than now, uh, it was always like the dim light and the cattle blowing and breathing in there. It was something really, really Christmassy about it. It felt like a bit like a nativity play, didn't it, in a way? (laughs) It's spoilt now with all the light and that they've got, haven't they? Absolutely. But, uh, of course, it wasn't uh, ideal to head into place full of hay and everything with a candle stuck in your hand that was one thing for certain but um you know not much place for for old sheep and and cattle and cows to go but there certainly is for horses and donkeys isn't there Oh, there is indeed, with the home of rest for old horses there on Richmond Hill, Simon, full of donkeys and uh, big, big horses in particular. And I popped in on Saturday uh, to see the new team that have taken over from the recent retirement of Jill Moore and uh, caught up with what they're up to on the run up to Christmas. Well, here we are today at the home of rest for old horses, open on a Saturday in the winter. Well, new manager, Barbara, how has that all come about? Well, 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 it's been requested by the public, basically. So the amount of people that just keep asking, 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 they love coming here. They love coming to see the horses. They love walking around and just relaxing. And, you know, why not? There's absolutely no reason not to. And this is it. And you've only been here a few months, um, taken over from, from Jill. I have. Jill retired end of September after doing a phenomenal job for 30 odd years. Obviously the place was set up by her mother and her aunt. So what a legacy to follow. Um, Big boots to fill, but we'll give her a go. And it was, it was set up back in the 1950s. It's the best part of 100 acres here, so it's no mean feat taking it on. Well, the 100 acres bits, well, I wash my hands of that. It's down to Martin, our amazing estate manager. He looks after the land. I'm just the one in the office that (laughs) (laughs) but like you say it it is difficult coming into a a new role with a new team around you but a few changes have been made this year they have you know they they really have so one of the well one of the biggest changes which i think is going to be an absolute godsend for us we've managed to steal the amazing katie kinley from katie's bakes and so she's come in and she's took over the coffee shop and well what can i say you've got to come and try the cakes they're just phenomenal they the minute they're out they're gone Um, and it's it's brought such a vibe and such a life to the place it really really has so there is lots of changes so we've got the changes in the coffee shop we've got the changes around the horses um, obviously there's a lot of ongoing i know there's a lot of disappointed people because we're not doing the lights this year but, you know, they will be back. Don't panic. They are definitely <laughs> coming back. But um, 
and we've got so much, so much maintenance, so many things to do. And we've got Jill's big retirement party on the 17th of December. And uh, Jill's the one with the know-how where they go. <laughs> we have no clue how to put these lights up. So if anyone out there wants to help us, feel free. But swinging over to you, Katie, you've taken on the coffee shop. Now, everywhere you go on the Isle of Man, they always want a good bit of cake and a, a damn hot cup of tea at this time of year. How has it been for you? It's been amazing. I mean, so many people have come in and they're just trying the cakes. And we, you know, we, we're just so busy. Yeah, yeah. And what is the favourite? <laughs> Bro nuts. The children love bro nuts. I've never sold or made so many bro nuts. Are you going to have to help me here? What is a bro nut? It's um, <laughs> a chocolate donut. So it's donut shaped, but yeah. made of it's chocolate brownie, and oh, then it's got a topping wow. on. And at Christmas, it's got a little Father Christmas or or mm. other sprinkly things on top. <laughs> and this is it. So now through the winter, every Saturday they can come and enjoy your cake. And, and Sunday. So oh. every weekend we will be open. Yeah. So uh, full cakes, paninis, sandwiches. Yeah. Lots of oh, sausage rolls and quiches. So oh, lots of different go. things to try, yeah. And that is it. It's having that, um, I suppose, difference on the menu, lots of different choices because everybody has different dietary requirements now. Oh, absolutely. We do quite a lot of vegan and we're, we're rolling that out more and some gluten-free as well. Um, it's a bit trickier with the gluten-free, so, um, you know, it's... But more vegan, definitely. Yeah, yeah. On the social media, on the About Us, it did say that it was set up in the 1950s for the tram horses in particular and for the homeless and friendless horses. Now, I can't say the friendless now, my goodness me. We, we do take a, a wide variety of horses. It was originally set up for the working horses of the island, you know, the tram horses, the milk cart horses, any working horse on the Isle of Man. Obviously, it's kind of grown from there. We still take the trammers, you know, their first, uh, first protocol, they come here. As soon as those boys and girls are finished on the promenade, they come here and they go out with their friends and they're here with us for good. Mm -hmm. um, we do have a number of other horses as well. So we, any, you know, any owners that unfortunately fall on hard times, we step in and we help and we'll either take the horses on or do what we can. But also we've got the donkeys, which seem to be the kiddies' favourites. <laughs> Over to Martin, obviously the fencing. My goodness, how do you manage to keep on top of that? 65 big giant beasts in those paddocks and it looks perfect. <laughs> it's uh, almost a daily ritual having to <laughs> look at the, where, where the animals have been overnight, checking boundaries. Um, you know, they will try and lean over, they will kick. Um, have little fratching arguments between themselves so yeah inevitably we have constantly got repairs to gateways fencings you name it full-time job well yeah I was just gonna say it will be a full-time job through this time of the year do you get a little bit more of a rest with it all or is it winter feeding routine now um, the, the, the feeding side of it is relatively good at this time because of the big horses are on their winter grazing. We've only got a handful on the yard that we feed in the morning. So that side of it has reduced massively, you know, the, the workload in the morning. But obviously we're now at the maintenance sort of stage where we, you know, treat the timber on the buildings, um, emptying gutters, making sure nothing leaks. So that in itself is a real time consuming job. And it's always a case of slotting it in everything's weather dependent yeah, as well as to what we yeah, can do yeah. and uh, so yeah it's a bit of a juggling game sometimes and do you have a good team to help you absolutely superb yeah there is uh, i've got tony and jess who again have been here a relatively mm. short time but have both slotted in perfectly uh 100 trustworthy uh and it's yeah everyone is talking to each other lot of communication and we all talk between ourselves to come up with these little new ideas 
uh, and it seems to be working pretty good at the moment. Yeah, and you're talking about new ideas. I did see on social media there was a new room for mums and tots. There is. Well, that was well fully down to Martin and, and Jess. What a cracking job they've done at that room. Uh, it's always been there, that little room. It was known as the little function room, but it kind of got left and forgotten over the years. So um, Mother Christmas Jess and Martin got in there one day and absolutely <laughs> blitzed it. So Martin, you're not just looking after the field boundaries here. <laughs> no, there's no, uh, no end to my talents. Uh, I do have to sort of thank Jess a bit more, but it was a spur-of-the-moment decision only five, six days ago. Mm. Uh, so we sort of went in and decobwebbed it yeah, and lovely. relocated God knows how many spiders. <laughs> and uh, we were lucky enough to get some toys donated. We put some of the rocking horses in there. Oh, and we've okay. seen today, because today's the first day it's been open, it's been busy all day long with toddlers. It's been great. And, and that's it. It's attracting everybody. There's something for everybody here. And not forgetting the horses, Martin. My goodness, they, they're looking well. Yeah, they really, really are. I mean, obviously, they're our top priority anyway. Um, and the ones that we've had on the yard today, the public don't normally see them as much because they're in a building. They're the ones that, you know, they're not out on the good grass. Mm -hmm. um, so they've had quite a luxury day today in that they've been getting fed, they've had a lot of attention. <laughs> Uh, and it'll be the same tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. So. And it clearly is a team effort, Barbara. There's no two ways about it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You're only as good as your workforce, aren't you? Any, yeah. Anywhere, whether it's a business, charity or whatever, you're only as good as the people around you. And the, the team here is tremendous. Yeah. You know, we're all here for the, the same goal at the end of the day. We're here for the horses and we're here to, we're here to safeguard and protect the, the longevity of this place. You know, yes. we want it here for generations to come. So... Mine and Martin's job is securing the future of the home and making sure it's, you know, there's things in place where it can carry on beyond our working time here. And like you say, it is a charity at the end of the day and people can donate. Absolutely, you can donate, you can adopt. We do an adopt a horse for Christmas at the moment where you'll get a lovely picture and a nice, and a nice Christmas card and you can give it as a gift or you can give it to yourself. Um, so we do ask for a minimum donation of £10 uh, or you can donate as much or as little as you want, but minimum of £10 and you'll adopt that horse for 12 months. Uh, going forward, we are looking at ways of implementing a system where when you adopt a horse, you can come and meet it. Because at the moment, it's a bit tricky. It's not been done before, so we need to kind of organise the yard and spaces and what have you. But it'd be, it's just lots of little things in the pipeline going forward. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask. What are any, are any plans in the pipeline? But clearly there are, there's lots going on. And yeah, I don't eat too much cake though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Katie's job, that one, all, all the, the incredible bacon. And with all of that said, how does everybody find out all about the openings and what's going on here? So basically going forward, the big change that we've done, we're going to be open every weekend, yeah. all the way through to Easter. So what we have decided as a collective, because um, what used to happen, they used to open the end of May for the summer season, we've brought that forward. So as of Easter weekend, I think it's the 7th this year of April, isn't it, Easter? So as of Easter weekend, we will be open for the summer season six days a week. So we're going to open Tuesday to Sunday. We're going to have Mondays off because I think we all need a bit of a break. Um, but going forward all the way through to September, possibly the October half term, we're going to be open six days a week, 10 till 4.
There we go. That was the new manager, Barbara Cookie. And in the kitchens there, Katie Kinley with some amazing cakes. And in charge of the, the farm and the fencing and everything in between, Martin Townsend. And Barbara Cookie. Sounds tasty. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great job that they're doing there. And it's something that's grown over the years, isn't it, at the, the home arrest there. It's a lot more easier to get access to it now. And uh, keeping up the traditions and bring the kids there. It's just, you can't get them away. This is it. It is really, really wonderful. Wonderful. And like the, the team say, the, you know, the horses can't wait to see uh, children and have visitors, especially with all the treats that they're allowed to have when the visitors are there as well. But, you know, nearly 100 acres to look after and all of the big animals that they, they do do a great job of. But also now trying to get soft play areas, uh, outdoor play facilities for children and basically entice general public in all year round. They're open every weekend through the winter. And, uh, oh, those cakes... Katie's doing a good job, Simon. Certainly is. Made me hungry. You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, of course, there's always uh, some sort of uh, germs and fevers and pandemics going around. And one such thing affects the bird life around the world, and that's the bird flu. To find out more about it, I spoke to the Managing Director of Manx BirdLife, Neil Morris, and also later on asked him about what we can do to protect the birds during the cold weather. You know, bird flu's been round, around with us since about the 1850s. That was when it was first described um, out in Asia. Of course, what we're seeing in these modern times is the rapid spread of lots of new mutations. And it's the current mutation, the H5N1 virus, which is highly pathogenic and is affecting bird communities um, all around, certainly the Northern Hemisphere, and um, anywhere from China uh, to Kazakhstan to Israel uh, to the British Islands to Canada to America, it's now in all those bird populations. And when it gets into those populations, this particular strain of the virus um, is particularly nasty and has a very high mortality rate. This... um bird flu as they call it is it a similar thing to what humans would get like it just affects them and um we've probably got uh, enough antibodies in us but the the birds haven't it's um it's it's official name is orthomyxovirus and it's very similar to what we know as swine flu and the flu viruses as a whole are very different to coronavirus perhaps what they do have in common is that they're both rapidly mutating viruses. And it is a very similar virus to what we know as the flu virus. Um, I've mentioned that it's very similar to swine flu. So it's a respiratory tract um, infection. And I I think the birds suffer in similar ways to to how we suffer with the, the lungs and the airways and the sinuses becoming inflamed and then blocked up and eventually um, it asphyxiates them. And you can imagine that with flu you get a, a, a temperature and um, you, you, if the organs get affected quite quickly. So I would say, yes, it, although it's different, it is, it is quite similar in its symptoms. And the birds can be asymptomatic. I think this is one of the problems that you can get the virus um, in populations of birds where they don't show any symptoms. And it's those birds which can then carry the virus and infect others. But those that do become symptomatic tend to go into a bit of a state of a torpor. 
they they can't fly um, they end up not being able to walk and they just sit around um, for long periods just effectively waiting to die and the later stages of it are, are pretty distressing with the ver the birds visibly distressed and um, swaying their necks backwards and forwards which which might be a reaction to the fact that the respiratory tracts and the sinuses the head are very much inflamed so it's not a very nice one i suppose when when you see a bird with a broken foot or an injured wing you can see it but you couldn't really tell till the later stages and nothing you can do no no there's nothing you can do um for domestic uh, poultry and fowl um there are vac um, uh, vaccines starting to appear and you can imagine that in the enclosed environment where you've got livestock a vaccination program could be effective but in terms of wild birds it's very hard to see whether any treatment like that is going to stop the spread so i i think we have to resign ourselves to the fact that it's it's out there it's endemic as i say bird flu has been around for a long time and um we know that it's affected over a hundred different species of birds what we're noticing today is this highly pathogenic mutation of the virus which is particularly nasty and has a particularly high mortality rate with cattle sheep um, animals on farms and things that are very traceable in this day and age but birds uh, with the migration being possible i would imagine yeah ab absolutely and i think that's a really good point because um this particular strain of the virus we keep coming back to it the h5n1 um, has now been found in 60 species of birds, but it's also been found in cats, dogs, rats, uh, weasels, ferrets, pigs, horses, even tigers, leopards and porpoises. So it, it's a virus that can get out in, into the whole environment and affect a lot of animals. Birds we see because they seem to be particularly prone to showing symptoms and, and visibly dying in front of us it can take them anything from from two days to a week to die but i was reading that uh, some evidence to show that the virus is more persistent than perhaps we thought it has been um, it was thought that it was a virus that couldn't really survive out um, in open water or in mud or in carcasses but there's evidence now that it can survive up to seven months in surface waters and in mud particularly in colder situations and from a bird migration point of view, the implication is that these migrating flocks of birds which are coming and going can, can, can bring it at each end of their journey. You can imagine that if, if the birds are flying to a particular destination, picking up bird flu and then leaving, then the bird flu in that area would then peter out over a period. But if it's lingering for seven months or more, it means it's there waiting for the birds to come back again and pick it up. And I think that's a really implication from some of this uh, research that's now coming out. Looking towards uh, the colder days and nights now, I mean, the, the local bird front, um, is there some advice to, to help keep the robins singing at Christmas time? <laughs> There's really nothing we can do about bird flu. Um, I think the question is, should we stop feeding garden birds to try and stop the spread of bird flu? And I don't think there's any evidence that stopping feeding your garden birds this Christmas is going to halt the spread of bird flu. 
so please don't stop feeding your garden birds for that reason. Um, if we get a cold snap, then, then feeding garden birds at a time when uh, the light uh, is very short during the day, so feeding time is very precious and food is in short supply, um, is really valuable for, for sustaining some of our populations. So it's, it's the usual thing of, of putting out both um, high um, carbohydrate food as well as high protein food. So a mix of things such as sunflower kernels, fat balls, but also more proteinaceous things like mealworms would be very effective at just giving the birds that little bit of fillet they need if we do get hit by a cold snap. And water, is the access to water fairly easy for birds? Yeah, in, indeed, that's a very good point. What, what water is, is, is hugely important, but of course, with all these viruses that we're talking about, um, water can be a reservoir for some of these pathogens. So please make sure, if you're putting out water, that you are regularly cleaning the, 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 the bowls, etc., that you're putting the water out in. And, and the rule is that um, every two weeks at least, you, you should dry off these um, bowls that you put the water in, give them a good clean with something like Jay's fluid or some detergent, dry them out. Obviously take care to look after yourself, make sure you're wearing gloves when you're handling these things, but clean them off, dry them off thoroughly, and that should remove any pathogens. Then, then you can put them back out with some fresh water. Are we at risk? Yes, I would. I, there's no doubt we are at risk. Um, I would suggest that um, the risk is very, very low, but we do need to take proper care. It's highly unlikely that you're going to catch bird flu if you are going to catch it from your garden birds. You're probably much more likely to catch it sloshing around in some water where there are dead birds, um, ducks or geese in that water. But even so, the risk is very low. I, th I think the thing to remember is that while the risk is very low, it's a nasty thing to catch. So we really don't want to catch it. And sort of personal health and safety and hygiene are, are always very important. Uh, Department of Environment has a very good um, website with some information on bird flu. And the current advice there really is that um, if, if you've got captive birds, captive animals... Um, keep them under control. Don't let them out into the wild where they might become infected through wild birds. And if you find dead wild birds, please don't report every single wild bird that you find dead because wild birds are dying the whole time and it's not always from bird flu. But if you find two large water birds, so two, two seagulls perhaps, uh, two duck or two geese um, dead together in the same place, or if you find six small birds dead together in the same place then that is certainly what DEFA want to hear about and you should contact the animal health team at DEFA to report what you found. The managing director of Manx BirdLife Neil Morris given us some advice there how you can look after uh, the birds and the robins around this cold and chilly time of year but before that uh, some serious chats about how the bird flu pandemic uh, could affect birds not just on the Isle of Man but uh, flying over and migrating and travelling around the world and it's a pretty difficult one to keep tabs on I'd imagine Kiri isn't it? It is 
very difficult. We've got to be vigilant. We've not been here before. Like you say, the flus and the fevers are a lot more common now. And uh, this one is obviously uh, very, very dangerous. And we've got to do all we can to, to protect our local poultry. Uh, and that said, if Christmas is coming and poultry is very hard come by this year for, for Christmas dinner in particular. It is because uh, some of the people I've been chatting to who you know, have a geese, uh, goose every year and stuff, and they found it really hard to source them this year. So... Uh, it is a tricky one, but uh, obviously you've got to err on the side of safety with it, isn't it? Oh, for sure, this yeah. is it. And people producing poultry, it's their livelihood, it's their industry. They're doing all they can to protect their birds at this moment in time. Well, we've got the um, the Christmas Mart coming up. Yes, that'll be the Friday before Christmas out at Nokalo. Uh, Central Marts will be holding the auction of, of Christmas poultry. Also, the, the Silver Band will be there, Father Christmas. And I'm sure there'll be lots of tasty mince pies. They're always the best, them homemade ones. So that'll be probably the Friday the 23rd, but we'll have a bit more information near the time. We will do indeed. That's it for this week's Countryside. We're back next week at six o'clock. So until then, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermode. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.